0: if you enjoy this podcast visit annandmaud.ca for details about programs and activities you can register for at pickering museum village and our partner sites in durham region this season I am Lisa Bialy, and welcome to The Anne Chronicles. The Anne of Green Gables series has been a large part of my life since I was young. I have read the books, and I love to watch the movies and TV shows that have been made, so that I can enjoy the story once again. When she was 14 years old, Lucy Maud Montgomery wrote in her diary, I love books. I hope when I grow up to be able to have lots of them. Known to her friends and family as Maud, This Canadian author, of 24 books, introduced us to the character of Anne Shirley. Although she always stated her Anne of Green Gables stories were not based on her life, you will discover the striking connections between fact and fiction as we explore the world of the author and her beloved character, Anne Shirley, in this series of podcasts. Anne Shirley always imagined what it would be like to have a family. When she was adopted by brother and sister Marilla and Matthew Cuthbert, she thought her dreams had come true, but they wanted a boy. Maud also grew up without her mother or father and was raised by her grandparents. We'll reveal what adoption was really like and explore the journey to find a family. We will be discussing the first two novels in the series, Anne of Green Gables and Anne of Avonlea. Both books reveal the importance of family and the impact that changing environments can have on both adults and children. Today, I will be speaking with Doris, who has been connected to the story of Anne since a young age,
1: and has raised her children to love the story as well. I was first introduced to Anne when I was in high school. I remember when they were casting for the TV movie, and a friend who had red hair went to the open casting call to audition for the role of Anne. After, when I had kids, I introduced them to the series. And after watching the movies, we started reading the books. It's become an annual tradition to watch movies together, even now that they are adults. There is something about the story that just makes it timeless.
0: I agree. I think that the Anne of Green Gables story is timeless. When I think of the story, the first thing that comes to mind is Anne's experience at Green Gables. And that transition from her being an orphan to being adopted and then becoming a member of the family.
1: Yes, from early on, we feel a connection to Anne's journey. Uh, We experience the excitement and joy, but also the fear of not being accepted. Anne was happy when she arrived at the Avonlea station because
0: she would finally be adopted into her home since her past was very difficult. When she arrives at Green Gables, Marilla tells her that a mistake had been made. Matthew Marilla had asked for a boy to help out on the farm. In the 19th century, orphans who were adopted were used as indentured labourers and apprentices.
1: I think that was common. People in the past had children to help out on the farm and in the house. So it makes sense that adopted children were used for the same thing.
0: Marilla and Matthew had intended on using the boy they got from the orphanage to help out on the farm, since Matthew was getting older. Let me read Marilla's words from the first book, Anne of Green Gables. We thought we'd get a boy of about 10 or 11. We decided that would be the best age, old enough to be of some use in doing chores right off, and young enough to be trained
1: up properly. We meant to give him a good home and schooling. It makes sense that the Cuthberts would adopt a child of that age, since they are old enough to help out, but are still young enough to listen and adapt to their rules. I know from personal experience that preteen children can be very helpful at that age, and are willing to listen and learn from adults.
0: When it was discovered that the child sent to them was a girl instead of a boy, the Cuthberts were not sure what to do with her. Marilla had originally planned to send her back to the orphanage. When Marilla brought her to Mrs. Spencer to discuss the mistake and what could be done, Mrs. Spencer
1: suggested giving
0: Anne to Mrs. Blewett, who had a large family.
1: Even in the short interaction that was in the novel, Mrs. Blewett would have only seen Anne as a worker. She would have probably only provided her with what was necessary and nothing more. I think we can both agree that Marilla felt bad for Anne, she had just heard her discuss her experience with large families before coming to Green Gables. I agree, Doris. Let me quote what Anne told Marilla about
0: similar work she'd done. I helped look after the Thomas children. There were four of them younger than me, and I can tell you they took a lot of looking after. Then Miss Hammond came down and said she'd take me, seeing I was handy with children. Miss Haymond had eight children. She had twins three times. I like babies in moderation, but twins three times in succession is too much. Orphans during the 19th century were tasked with helping around the house, and many were not given freedom to go to school or do things outside of the home. I think that Marilla knew
1: that if she gave Anne to Mrs. Blewett, Anne would probably have a similar experience. Yeah, but during this time, children often did what they were told without really asking questions. Today, that would not be allowed. No 11-year-old would have that much responsibility for eight children.
0: I can imagine having to do that much work while also not being seen as an actual part of the family. Anne was out of place in the home she lived in and was not seen as important. Maud experienced something similar when she met her father and his new family. Maud lost her mother when she was a baby and lived with her grandparents in PEI. In 1921, 9% of children aged 15 and under had experienced the death of at least one parent. Her father moved to Saskatchewan and remarried. When Maud was 15, she ended up visiting her father in Saskatchewan and met her stepmother and half-sister for the first time. While she was there, her new stepmother treated her horribly. Maud writes in her diary I am feeling lonely and dejected tonight, for father is away and I miss him so. He is all that makes life livable here at all for me. Otherwise, it would be intolerable. Miss Montgomery has, I think, the most dreadful disposition ever put into the heart of a woman. Maud didn't feel wanted or loved
1: and felt like she did not belong. I can only imagine how hard it was to be raised by grandparents when one of your parents was still alive and raising another family. Maude must have felt hurt as she was left out of the home and family that her father was providing for someone else. While Maud had her father in her life, Anne's parents had died of typhoid fever when she was young. By making
0: Anne an orphan, Maud is in a way representing how she felt in her own life. She did not think she had the support and did not have a parental figure who she could rely on. I think children who were in orphanages often felt unwanted. During the late 19th century, it was common for parents to leave their children in homes if they did not think they could take care of them. In many of these situations, the children had more difficult circumstances since they were prevented from being adopted orphans were deemed to be children who were not wanted and who were dangerous because they had no true parent. When Rachel Lynde finds out that Marilla and Matthew are planning on adopting a child, she is shocked. Why, it was only last week I read in the paper how a man and his wife up west of the island took a boy out of an orphan asylum and he set fire to the house at night, set it on purpose, Marilla,
1: and nearly burnt them to a crisp in their beds. Oh my, no one can dispute that Rachel is an entertaining character in Maud's stories. I actually found this quote interesting. I think people assumed that it was impossible for children without a parental figure to be well behaved. People heard about incidents that took place and assumed every orphan was the same. Anne proves that she possesses goodness even without having been given the love and support a child normally does. I think that Marilla and Matthew saw that she was special. decided to keep her.
0: I agree. I think a part of the book that connects to Anne's unique character is when Anne introduces herself to the Cuthberts. She showed that she was very outspoken compared to Matthew and Marilla, who were usually quiet. When Anne introduced herself, she asked the Cuthberts to call her Cordelia because she thought the name was elegant. When Marilla asked her her real name, Anne was particular in how it was spelled. She said, When you hear a name pronounced, can't you always see it in your mind, just as if it were printed out? I can, and Anne looks dreadful, but Anne looks so much more distinguished. If you'll only call me Anne, spelt with an E, I shall try to reconcile myself to
1: not being called Cordelia. (laughs) This scene always makes me laugh. Marilla must have realized from the moment that she met Anne that she would be a handful for her. Yet and that part right after the quote, Marilla showed Anne respect by ensuring she called her Anne with an E.
0: We can see the parallels once again between Maud and Anne's life. Maud was the same as Anne and was particular when it came to her name. She wrote in her diary, I never liked Lucy as a name. I always liked Maud, spelt not with an E, if you please. She wanted to be known by her middle name, and did not want an E at the end of her name, unlike Anne, who needed it. Maud and Anne were very similar, and I think relied on their imaginations, since they wanted things to be a certain way. Both of them had an imaginary friend who had the same name, Katie Maurice. They both met Katie in the reflection of a
1: glass door, and would talk to her for comfort and support. Wow, I didn't know that Maud included her own imaginary friend in the story but I'm not surprised she had one. I've heard that having an imaginary friend is a sign of a creative mind or creativity, which ties into the experience both Maud and the character of Anne had. It's also common for authors to write about things they know. It makes sense that Maud shared through Anne how her imaginary friend provided her with someone to talk to and help with loneliness.
0: I think it's very telling that Maud uses her own imaginary friend in her story. It shows that even though Maud was raised by her family, she still felt alone like Anne. I think Anne and Maud had a very unique experience when it came to their family. They both grew up without any siblings and were a part of a family of only three. It is estimated that there were approximately 55,000 children aged 14 and under living with a non-parental guardian in 1901. During the late 19th century, it was more common for families especially in rural communities to be very large there was a father and a mother with multiple children but Anne and Maud were instead looked after by older people who had not had recent parenting situations or any at all in the case of Marilla and Matthew Maud was raised by her grandparents who enforced rules in their house that they had taught to her mother and had to follow as kids themselves Maud writes in her diary they never
1: approve of anything, which means the assembly of young folks together. Interesting. Marilla's character is similar to Maud's disapproving and traditional grandparents. When Anne wanted to go to a concert, Marilla was opposed to the idea. On the other hand, Matthew disagreed and persuaded Marilla to allow Anne attend by reminding Marilla of their restricted childhood. Maud seems to have written someone into the story who was on Anne's side, something she may have desired. I think it's evident that Matthew and Marilla
0: both had a different relationship with Anne. Marilla was strict with Anne and was hesitant in showing too much affection for her. Although she treated her like a child, she expected her to act like an adult. Matthew, on the other hand, shows more affection to Anne, while also trying to be on Anne's side. Their relationship is clear when Marilla cannot find her brooch. She assumed Anne took it and stated she couldn't go to the picnic unless she confessed. Anne did confess, but she did not take the brooch. Anne assumed that her confession meant she could go to the picnic. But instead, Marilla was angered. Matthew tried to reason with Marilla and tried to convince her to let Anne go out. In the end, Marilla found her brooch on her shawl and apologized for jumping to the conclusion that Anne
1: took it. It's evident that both Matthew and Marilla took a different approach to parenting Anne. Matthew was more permissive while Marilla was strict. Not any different from families today. There is usually one parent who tends to give in to their child's requests while the other wants them to follow specific rules. The Cuthberts' parenting style came from what they had experienced as children, combined with what they heard and saw in their community, but was further impacted by their age. Since they were older parents, their experiences were different compared to the younger parents of Anne's friends. Exactly. I think that throughout the
0: book, Merle and Matthew see that not all their ideas were relevant for Anne. Times were changing, and certain rules had to be adapted we can see how over time, Marilla becomes less strict. She even ends up adopting her cousin's children, twins named Davy and Dora. Their father had died when they were young and their mother had just passed away. Similar experience to both Anne and Maud. Marilla realizes that what she thought was correct might not be true. In Anne of Avonlea, she says to Anne, I used to think there was only one right way, but since I've had you and the
1: twins to bring up, I don't feel so sure of it. Right, and we also see that Marilla was learning from her past experience with Anne. She quickly realized that how she brought up Anne would not work for Davy and Dora. Davy especially was not very well behaved and constantly needed to be told what to do. All children need and benefit from some sort of structure, but the character and personality of a child dictates how much intervention they need from their parent or guardian. Anne and Maud were well behaved. So when their
0: guardians had to look after children who were a little unruly, their parenting had to change. Both families, although different, cared greatly for one another. They both go through a similar experience when their father figure died. Maude lost her grandfather when she was 24 and writes in her diary, I cannot say that I've ever had a deep affection for Grandfather McNeil. Nevertheless, one cannot live all one's life with people and not have a certain love for them the bond of kin and long association. Anne also loses Matthew in the book Anne of Green Gables when she is 16. Both Maud and Anne stay at their home to support the women in their life. Maud provides comfort for her grandmother, and
1: Anne stays by Marilla's side. That is understandable. When people experience loss, they often realize how important it is to love and support those people that are still in your life. Even though Maud and Anne's families might not have been conventional, they still loved one another. Both Maud and Anne wanted to support the mother figures in their lives and show them that they would always be there for them.
0: I think it's interesting that even though Anne was not their child, Marilla and Matthew grew to see her as one of their own. Many orphans during this time did not have this experience and were rarely treated as part of the family. Anne, though, received love from both of them, even if they showed it in different ways. In Anne of Green Gables, Marilla tells Anne, I don't know what I'd do if you weren't here, if you'd never come. Oh, Anne, I know I've been kind of strict and harsh with you, maybe, but you mustn't think I don't love you as well as Matthew did. I love you as dear as if you were my flesh and blood, and you've been my joy and comfort ever since you came to Green Gables. It's clear from the excerpts we've discussed that Maud wrote about her feelings of abandonment. She learned to find a way to imagine a life with new parents into her character of Anne. They faced many similar experiences throughout their lives, and although they faced some challenges, they also had some good times. Families are not always what we expect, and love and support can come in different forms and from different people. I'd like to thank Doris for joining me today and looking at the importance of adoption and family in the Anne of Green Gables story. Her experiences in life have helped to provide connections to the story and also show her understanding and love for the book. Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, you might want to take a look at the other episodes in the Anne Chronicles podcast series. Explore the relationship that Anne and Maud had throughout their lives and uncover the journey they went through to find love. You can also learn how Anne and Maude navigated teaching as young women and see the unique experiences they had.